This week on the Cynical Optimists. Our awards a product of yesteryear. We look back at this year. And then we look forward to next year. Hello and welcome to the Cynical Optimist Year in Review. A cynic might call it the last show we're recording in 2021, but an optimist would say it's the first show we're releasing in 2022. I'm Phil. <laughs> and I'm Nick. This week, it's something a bit different. So previously, for our final show of the year, we have done quote-unquote awards episodes, where we have given prestigiously titled Synopt Awards to the film, TV and games, that we felt were the best ones that we had experienced in any given year. This year, however, after watching a bit of a confusing Game Awards and reflecting back on other award show controversies, I've come to wonder, do awards actually matter? But first, how are you, Nick? I'm very well, thank you, Phil. How was your Christmas? My Christmas? Uh, it was good. I cooked the turkey for the first time this year. Did you? Yeah. Oh, it went all, no one died. That's excellent news. Although food poisoning can take up to a week, I think, until... Don't you say that. <laughs> I just made that up. <laughs> um... <laughs> yeah, it's I... you, you cooked it almost perfectly. They didn't get food poisoning until... Believe it or not, it was just after they went to that dodgy uh, takeaway place. <laughs> but the, the food poisoning was your turkey, I'm sorry. Every, every degree under just doubles the amount of time. No halves the amount of time so like if it's like 10 degrees under it's immediate if you're one degree under which you might have been it could be up to 10 days ah yeah i think i've had enough of uh illnesses that take up to 10 days to manifest (laughs) in the body thank you very much still doing my lateral flows nice and frequently oh at least you've got them oh yeah that's true (laughs) mate i think i ordered just in time because seems no one can get any anymore hmm um, do you want to see yeah. what one of my um, friends gave me for Christmas? Which I Please sat, do. Which I sat here at my desk building last night. I'm going to guess it's Lego based on that comment. It is Lego. Oh, look at that. It's a Lego trophy. Uh. And it came with a note of, um, no, dear Phil, now you have a trophy that's as great as you are. Aww. Yeah. I thought it was very nice. There's a lot that of stickers nice. you could put on it. So I thought Champion was probably the most accurate to describe me. Because <laughs> I don't think I'm best mum in the world. <laughs> um, anyway, so we're not just going to be talking about... Uh, sorry, how was your Christmas? Then I'll go on to whatever. It was good, thank you. Yeah, on. nice, nice, chilled. Um, it's that sort of... Uh, it's the preamble before Christmas that gets me most excited. But this year was obviously a little bit like up in the air. Because I was lateral flowing twice a day and... You know, when you're just sort of seeing elderly relatives and stuff, it's always a bit stressful. But the actual the actual day itself was, was nice. When we were all there, we were all tested. A door a door and a window cracked open for a bit of circulation. Yeah. I had a nice plant-based Wellington from m and I'm not... This isn't a sponsor, but it was very nice as an alternative to Turkey. I mean, if you want to sponsor us, then yeah. <laughs> get in touch. Yeah. We'll definitely, between like our segments, be like, and now a word from our sponsor, Plant-Based Beef Wellington. 
This is not just food. This is M and S food. You can you can send the check in the post. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so we're not only going to be just talking about award shows this week. We are also going to be. It's going to be less formal. We're not going to be trying to give out any of our own awards. I don't think this year. But we or maybe we will. Who knows? I, I we don't plan these things ahead. <laughs> but we will talk about a little bit how critique of films has changed like awards but also things like Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic Hmm. Um, but also we'll spend some time just talking about what we've actually enjoyed this year just more casually just what have we enjoyed in film TV and games in 2021 what we're looking forward to next year so I think we've got the makings of a very good show but will we pull it off the question we ask ourselves every single week (laughs) (laughs) So, over the course of this podcast, we have done four separate awards episodes, uh, 2016 through 2019, with the last one being Best of the Decade. So, I actually went back and saw what we gave awards to in our very first awards show, and out of all our episodes, it's probably aged the worst, which was one of the inspirations (laughs) for why I wanted to do this discussion today instead of doing awards again. Do you know what we gave Best Film, Best TV Show, and Best Game to? Okay, bearing in mind, how many years ago was that? Five years ago? This was 2015-16. 2015-16. It's five or six years ago. I didn't have any money to go and see any good films, and the money that I did have would most definitely go on, I don't know, I don't know whatever, whatever we gave best film. We gave best film to Star Wars The Force Awakens. Okay, well, yeah. I mean, it... <laughs> there was only two other nominees that apparently we'd been to see that year, which was The Jungle Book and Zootopia. Oh my god. <laughs> so considering the other day, like somebody was asking on Twitter, um, what do you think of The Force Awakens like from when you first saw it to when you watch it now? And I was like, I really enjoyed it when I first saw it. Now I just think it's it's a fine film, but it's just very you know, I don't think about it much. It's like. edited very quickly in that I could watch it again and again, but there's very little substance to it. Yeah. So anyway, that was our best <clears throat> film. Yeah. Do you want to take a swing at what got best TV show? Bear in mind that you're not going to get it. 2015-16? Yeah. Is this when we liked Sherlock? No, we, uh, in fact, Sherlock I don't think comes up on the cards at all this year. Yeah. Sherlock managed to win most disappointing film in TV ah. in our 2017 awards because that was season four. Ah, that's when it that's when it went sharply off the rails. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't know. Then go on. Uh, it was the Man in the High Castle. I season haven't one. seen it. <laughs> and I haven't seen anything past the first season. So you watched season one, and then we decided that that was the, the yeah. <laughs> There are so many better shows on this list as well. Like, I would have given it to... We had Brooklyn Nine-Nine on here, Peaky Blinders. Even, like, Gotham probably would have been more deserving. Like, Man Man in the High Castle was probably, like... Probably did stay being really good. I just find it really funny. I just didn't go and watch any more of it. (laughs) And Best Game. Do you want to take a swing at that? 2015-16. Yeah. Is that when the first Battlefront came out? No. That was uh, we gave it to Overwatch. Which have you played it? 
I I did play it a little bit when it came out, and I thought it was quite good. But now that's probably out of those three awards, that's probably the one that's aged the worst because of all the Activision Blizzard stuff. <laughs> um, should have probably given it to Pokemon Go. <laughs> oh yeah, that was that was definitely a nominee. Anyway, so like just looking back through that. Oh, also, we gave best superhero film to X Men Apocalypse instead of Captain <laughs> America: Civil War, which oh, that was your decision. That was in a blog, wasn't it? Yeah. Look, I still maintain Civil War is overrated. Yeah, but I finally saw like X Men Apocalypse before our, when we did Dark Phoenix, and I just it was very very forgettable. Yeah, I mean the other the other candidate was uh, Batman v Superman, wasn't it? I, yeah, I, I remember writing that blog. Um, okay, yeah. Look, people's so opinions based... change. If you're going back and listening to old synops, just take everything we say with a pinch of salt. And but you can see why I'm like actually. In the grand scheme of things, do do awards matter? Because talking of the Game Awards, which happened this year, each year the Game Awards is weird, right? I think we even did like an episode where we discussed it last year, or maybe the year before. But every year it's just a confusing mix, because unlike other award shows, it's got trailers at it and reveals. Mm. Can you imagine the Oscars if they showed off like a Marvel trailer? It'd be, <laughs> it's that kind of level of strange. Yeah. yeah. But this year was especially weird because it was so rushed to try and get all these like spots and interviews in with like games being developed that there were some like awards that it just would skip over. Like it'd come back from like doing like some trailer or something and be like, Oh by the way, the award for best RPG went to I was like <laughs> this is supposed to be an award show. They did do that once for uh, the Oscars, I remember. They they skipped over stuff and, and came back and over the break uh, that might have just been a UK thing on on Sky or whatever but I do I do remember that happening once. While you're away, best film went to. <laughs> yeah. And also I do I do remember some advertisements at the Oscars as well because it seemed to be whatever year it was Bohemian Rhapsody seemed to get a plug every five minutes including a stage appearance from Brian May promoting it and everything so. Might yeah, so well. m- maybe the Game Awards just was the least subtle about it. Yeah. But then I swear that this, I don't know, maybe it's because I don't, mm. maybe there is this kind of thing with stuff like the Grammys and I just don't follow it closely enough, but be like, I don't know. But yes, uh, and then one of the big examples that still makes me, it's one of those nervous laughs where you're like, oh my God, it's not like a funny laugh, you know what I mean? <laughs> was when they were giving out the award for like most accessible game as in like the game which allows the most people to take part, get involved and play mm. and they did the nominees and it went to Forza Horizon 5 because Xbox, we've talked about on this show have done a lot of stuff for accessibility in gaming and helping like differently abled people access games Yeah. halfway through this, this guy comes up on stage with like his two colleagues he's giving his heartfelt speech and he goes, oh they're giving me the sign to wrap it up now <laughs> and he just very quickly wraps it up and goes and sits back down. And then it cuts back to Jeff Keighley, who's like the host of the whole awards, and he goes, he shakes his head and goes, ah, oh, such an important speech. And it's like... <laughs> I love just... how the wording there as well, he's giving me the sign to wrap it up, as if like some guy's literally just doing like sign language to be like wrapping up kind of thing off screen, like during a speech about accessibility. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, so... And the thing, it, I don't know, there are some there are some worthy recipients of awards, you know, over the years. But I feel like more than more than ever, we look back and go, "That won that year!" Oh my god! And you mm. know, there was obviously a hashtag Oscars so white. 
Mm. And like Oscars, more than anything, you just get, you know, it's members of the Academy or whatever. Mm. They just sit down, they, they watch their screeners and then, and there's a lot of controversy about how things like hero films and stuff like that just kind of have a, just don't get a look in. No. Very good. certain categories. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, going back to the Bohemian Rhapsody thing, it was quite obvious that Brian May got pally with the Academy. And mm. for some reason, Bohemian Rhapsody ended up winning about four or five Oscars. Um, Didn't it win one for, like, best sound editing. design? Best editing, yes. Because yeah. <laughs> I remember everyone was then posting on Twitter, like, different that clips. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Apparently that was also something to do with... Um, the editing of that film, apparently, like the the members of Queen had sort of negotiated to get equal screen time or something in in the edit, which means like in that clip that everyone was posting when um, when uh, I can't remember that actor's name, Adrian, someone when he comes in and just says, "So this is Queen." Apparently, it has to like show all of them turning their head in reaction. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, it's just God. it's just bizarre. Well, anyway. it's especially funny because I think it did get one for like sound or something like that, which I mm. found funny. Bear in mind, this wouldn't have been a, the situation for everyone, but when I went to see it in the cinema, the sound cut out, <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's that bit where they're fixing the broken down van, and it was just completely silent. And the clip, it, the bit it comes back in on, is when one of the band members goes, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" <laughs> and then the whole cinema just laughed. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I was especially funny, but then it just—I don't know. Do when you're looking for stuff, does it saying when you're watching a trailer, it's saying multi-award winner, hmm. such and such from award-winning director? Does that? Well, when I used to work at cinema, we used to get uh, updated. You know those big—they're uh, called quad posters that go in the outside illuminated light box, and they're mm-hmm. slightly thinner posters than usual, so that the the light can come through. When well, we used to get set, sent updated ones of those for. Parasite, for example, after it had received and, and 1917 as well, after it had received like the Oscar awards and stuff like that, they'd send new ones over, and we'd replace the ones with with these ones that just are the same poster. They just say winner of da 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 in the Oscars kind of thing. Yeah, and I don't think necessarily we're talking here about kind of um, stuff like Sundance and things like that. I think that kind of thing for an indie film, at least, can be quite beneficial. I think we're talking about kind of I guess you'd call them the more mainstream shows. Hmm. And I and I guess the game awards has been tr- really desperately struggling to set itself as like a mainstream show. Hmm. For like even though the BAFTAs have been covering games since like the early 2000s, I think. Like there's been BAFTA awards for games. So it's not even the first award show for games. And actually the BAFTAs I think Unless you know anything, because you know more about it than me, the BAFTAs is usually pretty on the pretty on the level, isn't it? Compared to, I guess, the American ones. Yeah, yeah, fairly. Um, I think there's always um, going back to what I was saying with Brian. I think there's always a little bit of um, of bias, and it's kind of a, a lot of them rely on who they're who they're getting in with, kind of thing, and in, in terms of filmmakers or stars, actors, etc. Like going back to what you said about Sundance, I remember. I, th- I think was it Joker that that premiered at Sundance, and I think because I don't know, it it, cre- it generates a bit of buzz when you've got like a a fairly non indie actor like Joaquin Phoenix at uh, an indie event. I mm. think I think it sort of does generate a little bit of bias sometimes because 
I mean, you're going to be you. You would. I mean, there is just bias. You would be starstruck, wouldn't you, if you saw someone like Brian May or Working Phoenix in front of you? You'd probably want to sort of chat to them a bit, and they probably schmooze you over a little bit. So yeah, I, I, yeah, it's quite difficult to be objectively biased unless the academy was just this pure sort of online presence that they get sent. And I think this happens anyway. They get sent like a USB with with a, with a key code and the movie on it, kind of thing, and they can watch it. At their own leisure, but then they turn up to the events and stuff, and they mingle and they chat. Whereas if it was, I don't know, I guess if it was like a more anonymous kind of like like uh, reviewers mm. sort of dotted on a more sort of multicultural um, backgrounds and and things, like we might get a slightly more interesting result from from the Oscars because, as you say, there was the Oscars so white um, trend uh, hashtag that went round as a result of the Academy being made up of exclusively one pretty much group of people. <laughs> one one demographic. Yeah. I think it would be so much cooler if there was just like this anonymous like like Academy and you, like a film Illuminati kind of thing and they're all from <laughs> different countries and different backgrounds and everything and they get yeah, they just get sent a memory stick that auto explodes after they've watched it kind of thing and that's how <laughs> that's how the the best pictures and things are chosen. I think that would be so much cooler. <laughs> it's like the uh, what is it the Nielsen ratings, and in the US they just uh, send it to just a bunch of random households and see which ones they like. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, although you're saying about having this big community of uh, more anonymous voices to say who awards should go to, kind of ties into what I wanted to touch on in the other half of this discussion, which is Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. Because I don't know if this, if it's just me or whether this has become more of a thing since you and I've, I feel since, you know, 2015 when we started doing this podcast, but more and more I see Rotten Tomatoes, a good score or a bad score being taken as a the, the tomo- review. The tomatometer. It's, it, it, it's even on, even on the official channels as well. If a film is performing well from a studio, that studio will share the Rotten Tomatoes score and be like, come and watch it, it's certified fresh, which doesn't mean anything more than... It could be 100% fresh, but that could be a thousand reviewers all gave it a 60% or something. (laughs) Yeah. It could be the most middling film, but as long as everyone agrees that it's a middling film, it could be 100% on the the tomatometer. Yeah, because their their metric is just... Like almost like a binary. These people said yes, they would say it. Kind of like they, these people said yes, they liked it. These people yeah. said no, they didn't. Yeah, and to be honest, a lot of very very good films probably have elements that are sort of controversial in it, and and elements that are a bit little bit away from the the beaten track, away from the the narrative we're used to and stuff like like more challenging films. And I don't yeah. wanna, I don't want to sound like a pretentious arse here, but like. That like I I I find like I I watched the Green Knight this year and I found it too challenging for for sort of my sensibilities and as a result of that I'd probably put like no I wouldn't watch it kind of thing and that would would that means like these crafted sort of filmy films can end up with a very mixed or or low Rotten Tomato score because of how that works but that that doesn't mean anything to do with the movie because I know a lot of people that give that film like the perfect a hundred kind of thing. Yeah, and well, that's how you end up with the films where because it's is Rotten Tomatoes splits the critic and audience score as well, isn't it? Because Metacritic definitely does for games, but you then that's how you end up with these. Well, the fans hated it, but the critics loved it, kind yeah. of things. 
and it kind of feeds this narrative that you see, especially in the light in light of films such as you know the Last Jedi. I think you're seeing it a little bit with the new Matrix, although I've like I've heard very mixed things from both critics and fans about mm. that one. How you end up with this? Oh, critics aren't real people. We don't they don't enjoy movies like the fans do, and then like I don't know. I guess there, but then critics are also probably seen more films they're probably looking for different things i guess and aside from that as well going like films that have been out for many years things things change as well that's why we get cult classics that's why we get yeah films like like blade runner was a was a commercial flop and and i don't think people loved it when it first came out and now it's kind of gone full circle and become this this untouchable classic basically and because yeah context changes and style changes there there are films i believe that sort of don't age like i think 2001 a space odyssey is kind of, is is a timeless film because i think it sort of it it transcends like the sort of simplistic era of of narrative yeah like, like it doesn't it doesn't really fit into any of those it doesn't fit into corny 70s or 80s it doesn't fit into like clunky 60s it's just kind of this this timeless film and and mm-hmm. I think that will always that will always stay the same for me. But like, there are films like over over the Christmas period, there were loads of sort of old stuff that like I wouldn't have necessarily watched. I watched The Man in the Iron Mask over Christmas. It was just on TV uh, with Leonardo, DiCar- Leonardo DiCaprio and John Malkovich and, and Jeremy Irons, and like I I I really enjoyed the film. I thought it was it had some really good moments and stuff. And it's got like I, I love the look of that kind of era of filmmaking, like the sort of mid nineties, where it's yeah. it's, it's like beautifully contrasty shot on film and then I look at the reviews obviously from when they were written I mean they were obviously written since because Rotten Tomatoes wasn't around by then but it's like it's got generally pretty negative reviews it's very low on the tomatometer but I think things things come around again and and films that maybe were viewed as crap can become classics and and vice versa like The Force Mm. Awakens for instance we were chatting about earlier I think it was pretty much universally loved at the time, but I think in hindsight, it did very little to set up a new trilogy, and and I think it it was even it was only a sort of couple of months after that, if that a couple of weeks maybe that people started putting the sort of the connection between that and its similarity between that and a, and a new hope out on the internet. I think people were just excited to see a new Star Wars film. Yeah. And then when it wasn't just when it wasn't like Phantom Menace bad, they were just like that is a win, you know. Yeah. That's, but then I think yeah, like you say, as time went on, and as like the sequel trilogy did what the sequel trilogy did, yeah. with its um, various decisions. I I one of the people who thinks that the blame for the sequel trilogy being a bit incoherent falls with the Force Awakens, just not really having anything to say, not really having any kind of challenge that it's posing to the audience. Yeah. And all of its setup is just mystery boxes that at the time uh, the director was never going to have to deal with. He no. just set up a bunch of mystery boxes without knowing what they were and then yeah. buggered off. Yeah. And then he, when he got brought back for the final film, he, <laughs> he messed that one up too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also, um, you've got like, going, going back to where where popular films might go the other way and become less popular over time like The Force Awakens like I we're not going to spoil anything here but like I don't know how Spider-Man will age particularly because I think the the context 
and the nostalgia and the fact that we've had two years of lockdown and suddenly we've got this now billion dollar film coming back and and we've got this big Christmas release which we didn't get last year and I don't know it's, it's full of optimism uh, after two years of sort of I mean and two years ongoing of, of COVID and things um, mm. like it, it felt like a hell of a dose of serotonin didn't it but like I I don't know how well that film will age like I, I still stand by the opinions I said last week's episode like I, I really like that film but who knows who knows if it's going to hold up in time yeah but anyway looping back round to the original kind of I guess uh, the question that I was posing today well how do we fix this you know how are we going to in in the next five to ten minutes fix a system- <laughs> systemic problem because on one hand you've got the award you're, on one hand, end of the spectrum you've also got the awards which is almost one type of problem it's you know it's a bit chummy it's industry folks giving awards to each other patting each other on the back lots of schmoozing which You'd expect it to happen with anything. It's quite. It was quite a big story about how London got the Olympics in 2012 mm. because they ran that kind of operation as a, like a political campaign. They were they were schmoozing all the people who would have votes. They were sending things to people. They were literally they were treating it like you know these are votes to be won over and using all these kind of tactics. And I imagine film awards season is much the same. Mm. Uh, but on the other end, you've got kind of the Rotten Tomatoes, where it's just, you know, it's almost... Chaos. it's it, it is chaos. It is the quantification of something that really <laughs> can't be quantified. Like, I know reviewers who don't give num- numerical scores anymore, because they're like, they're, they don't mean anything. Or without kind of the explanation of what a number means, because there's some, some places where a seven will mean average, right? Yeah. And there's other places where a five is average because five is the middle, and it can get very, very messy because um, you know people will apply these different, apply what they're used to, and it's like, if we give a film a five, I like to think that we think it's middle of the road average. Yeah. Whereas other people will be like, no, that's at least a seven and a half. <laughs> yeah. That's not. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Nick, how do we how do we fix award shows into being more legitimate, uh, and how do we Fix Rotten Tomatoes, or do we just combine them both? Do we do we choose random Rotten Tomato users to be the new Academy? Well, this is like um, no, because this is like. Let- <laughs> <laughs> have you are you familiar with Letterboxd? Hmm. Like that only is, from tweets showing like really funny reviews. Well, exactly. Yeah, that's that's from that's from a sort of whole host of people. Anyone could go on, create an account, and, and leave reviews. A bit like IMDb as well, and. I don't know, that doesn't mean a whole lot, because you got, like, a film, like... Say, like, I am, like, I'm going to watch a film tonight. Let's go on Letterboxd. Okay, what's one of these top-rated? Venom 2. And the only reason that's probably happened is because the people that are leaving reviews for those films are... Th- th- they've chosen to watch Venom 2 for a reason. Yeah. And, and therefore, they and they interact with that media and they think oh I've watched Venom 2 I shall now go and rate Venom 2 because I enjoyed Venom 2 because I'm the sort of person that watched Venom 2 whereas <laughs> whereas whereas I, I'm like obviously they're going to give it probably five stars or whatever because they like I don't know like if I hadn't seen any marketing collateral like do you know what I mean like I, I, I'm not going to go and 
watch it because of the trailers, whereas the people who do watch the trailers and think I'm going to go watch that probably are going to enjoy it because they know what they're getting in for. Yeah. If I was blind and I and I and if if I went into a film blind, not seeing any adverts or trailers or anything, and just on the letterbox st- score alone, and I, I, that's just not going to mean anything, is it? No. So I don't know. Like, I again, I quite like the idea of this underground academy. I think. I think yeah, almost making it more anonymous. They can't be bribed. They can't yeah. be bought. They can't be yeah. Because then as well, you kind of um, in the nicest way, you kind of weed out the people that are only doing it for the fancy dinners, and, and so they can be schmoozed by people. Yeah. Because there's probably those that don't actually really care that much. Um, they just like oh, it's like it reminds me of there's the Simpsons episode of the film festival, and immediately what, what like. Two of the judges, Krusty and I think uh, the mayor, get paid off to vote for Burns's film, even though it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Although you saying like Venom two so much, just uh, just in my mind, it painted this picture of like the Academy sat around like what gets best picture, and all, they're all discussing things, and there's just one guy in the corner, arms crossed, like Venom two. <laughs> and, and whatever argument someone tries to bring, they're like, no, no, Venom two. Best I just, picture. I just think Venom, it's, Venom Two. It's the only way you're going to get a sort of a well-rounded like, and it's, it's and it's you're not going to get like the sort of uh, it's not going to be like as you say they're not all going to be a room together where they can be swayed and persuaded and stuff. It's just I like the idea of this real dodgy delivery bloke just bringing a little sealed envelope with a USB that self-destructs in twelve hours or whatever. Then they give it to. They give it to Jer- Jeremy Renner. Does it with his USB arrows <laughs> into your laptop? <laughs> um, yeah, I like that idea a lot. <laughs> he just comes up via your house. Your laptop's there on the table, and he just does a USB arrow into your USB C laptop, and it, just, <laughs> it doesn't quite fit. <laughs> Bounces off. <laughs> I've been chosen this year. <laughs> I think as well. Um, a few things. It's like one is kind of almost. The game awards, especially, needs to just start stop doing so much. Like I get, like ex- these shows are expensive to run, hmm. but all the like stupid sponsorships and like obviously, uh, despite the awards, the big thing that I know you heard from it and like a load of people were talking about it was actually the fact that controversial developer Quantum, uh, Quantic Dream, is going to be making the next Star Wars game. That should not be the thing you're talking about the day after the award show. Do you know who won Game of the Year? No idea. <laughs> That's my point. Yeah. Uh, especially after they made this big point about not having Activision Blizzard there because of all the ongoing things. <laughs> yeah. So I think that you need to get the trailers and the reveals out. If the industry really wants to have this celebration of their medium, they should not need to be revealing their new stuff there to support it and fund it. That's just my kind of take on it. Mm. It benefits the whole industry to have a healthy kind of award show. The Game Awards, I think, may never reach legitimacy, is my honest opinion, because it just can't seem to get out of this mindset. I yeah. think Jeff Keighley's a good bloke, but I think he's... I'm, I think he's just trying to... Do you know the phrase... Well, you've seen Parks and Rec, the whole phrase of um, a camel as a horse designed by a committee. Yeah, oh yeah. I'm, I'm aware of that phrase, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what the Game Awards are. So yeah. I'd say, really, the good Game Awards at the moment are the BAFTAs, probably. They're yeah. probably more legitimate. Yeah. Um, but also, in terms of like the Metacritic stuff, um, Rotten Tomatoes, is it's the same as it's always been. Just find go out and find a reviewer who, has, who you find has similar taste to you, hmm. or watch a few different reviews. I think 
some people are really good at this. Some people are really just, I don't know whether it's laziness or whether it's more convenient just to go onto Rotten Tomatoes. But the aggregator is not going to tell you anything really. Hmm. It's gonna, it's this quantification. Whereas if you actually go and read a short review or you listen to a short review and you're like, I've agreed with this guy on these films, so I will probably agree with him on this one. Or you know, you have a few. Exactly. You're like, I, I think that's a, just a far better approach. Really. If you like, if you listen to this podcast and you've 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 like, you might agree with like ninety nine percent of our decisions, but like we might have slagged off one in particular film that really resonates with you and like I, I know I take the piss a lot but like if, if Venom like really resonates with you like amazing that's great like films shouldn't like films are made for someone and some people and like it just there might be a particular thing that hits different there might like the relationship between uh, Tom Hardy and his ex and the, the new boyfriend or whatever like that might I thought you were going to say it in Venom <laughs> well maybe maybe that really yeah. resonates with you maybe you've got like a goo that you chat to on a regular basis and maybe it's just the most relatable thing in the world but like <laughs> um, yeah like like every, everything resonates differently some like some people would have gone into No Way Home and all the, the cameos of previous Spidey villains and stuff might have just mean, meant absolute jack shit to them like like young kids who have only seen the MCU and none of the previous Spider-Man bits and whatnot are going to get a totally different experience out of No Way Home to to what we did, and it's fine. Everyone connects to films differently, and what I'm saying is, we're a pointless entity. <laughs> well, that's why we're we're not giving best film awards. However, whilst you were talking, Nick, we did give out some awards off screen <laughs> because we're too busy doing other things to be an award show this year. Uh, the award for best podcast went to this podcast, The Cynical Optimists. Um, and the award for best facial expression went to um, went to Henry Cavill for The Witcher Season 2. <laughs> Uh, making him a five-time award winner from <laughs> well, the show. Well done to them during the ad break. <laughs> during the ad break, it was actually earlier when, when, when I was talking about Marks and Spencers earlier. We actually gave away some awards as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so now we have time for just one more, one more award at our prestigious, completely legitimate award show, and it's for most progressive synopt host, and it goes to Nick Mortimer. Oh my god, Phil, you have no idea of the honour that has brought me. I'd just like to thank my family for being there the whole time. I'd like to thank my partner. I'd like to thank uh, you for, for being an amazing co-host. Oh, I'm 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 getting the signal. I'm I'm done. But but yeah, I've just been signed out to to stop talking. Moving on. What an important, beautiful speech that was. Now on to the next thing. <laughs> <laughs> So, 2021 is nearly at an end, or is at an end when by the time you're listening to this. And there, there'll be hopefully no films or... I mean, I haven't actually watched a few of the, the sort of last ones, like Matrix, etc. But we thought we'd uh, cover some of the top TV shows and top films of 2021. Um, again, this isn't going to be like an awards kind of thing, because we've just... We've just totally lost credibility and all of that after our previous discussion. But we thought we'd <laughs> chat generally about like what we've enjoyed this year and what, what we've enjoyed in terms of films, TV, games. I've just brought up a, a Sky News article of um, 
the top films and TV shows of 2021. Just going to go, I'm going to rattle through that. Phil's going to rattle through some of the ones he's watched, and then we'll chat about the ones that maybe weren't included in some of these lists. Uh, where do you want to start? Should we talk about Disney Plus? Yeah, all right. So we had, kicking off the year, we had WandaVision, uh, which then uh, led on to Falcon and Winter Soldier. There was never really a gap between any of these, was there? Like one week or two maximum? I think because of um, COVID-based delays, there was... I think there is, at most points this year, been either a Marvel or Star Wars show yeah. airing, hasn't there? Yeah, pretty much. Or at least or at least a film to plug the gap, maybe. Yeah, yeah, because like, in the gaps they've been able to bring out either Black Widow or Shang-Chi or... I think Eternals comes out in like two weeks on Disney+. Plus. Mm. So, um... We've, we've chatted extensively about these in, in other episodes of the show, but yeah, we had WandaVision, Falcon, Winter Soldier, Loki, uh, What If, Hawkeye, am I missing any? No, I think that's that's, it. that's quite a bit, though. Yeah, that was quite a lot. Um, I think one thing I've decided out of all of these is really, really good starts that really sort of set a tone, uh, but I think they all failed to stick the landing. <laughs> yeah, because obviously we were talking about Hawkeye last week. Hmm. Um, I guess brief spoilers for the finale now, um, because obviously we, we, you know, we talked about the first five episodes. <laughs> um, I didn't think it was too bad. It went pretty much as I expected it. Okay. Um, I was surprised though about the post credit scene. I thought it was a great post credit scene, but it was. I was expecting a bit more. I skipped past also, it. <laughs> also, thought it was very very funny that the big touted character that comes in for the finale. Literally has the physics of a cartoon character. Yeah. I didn't mind like that. an explosion happens next to them, and they just kind of fly out the way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like a boss battle, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't mind that at all, to be honest. Like, there's like he's obviously buffed up a, a bit. It's we can reveal this, right? It's 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 been out a while. Yeah, it's Kingpin. Um, Vincent D'Onofrio Vincent playing Kingpin. Yeah, so it's it's specifically the same actor from Daredevil. Uh, he's obviously buffed up a bit since Daredevil. He's got some cartoonish, as you say, uh, quirks. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think I, I feel like the problem was, and and first of all, I was a little bit uh, angry at how they seemed to off him. But uh, I mean, having... oh, he's not. No, like how... I say, he's a cartoon. He probably just went ow <laughs> as the bullet ricocheted off his head. <laughs> Most likely. Um... But it was, I don't know, a lot of build-up. Maybe they should have brought him in, like, an episode or two sooner. Yeah. And, I don't know, maybe he, instead of, like, a ten-minute post credit scene about a musical, maybe we should have had a little bit of <laughs> what the future of Kingpin could be. I don't know, just, it, it was a little bit of a weak, weak finale. I, I think unless you're already a fan and you recognised him from a show that, before, you know, the last few weeks was not even part of the MCU... Hmm. I don't think you would have cared about somebody suddenly coming in in the final episode. Yeah. And also, I don't think... I'm the same as you. I don't think he is dead. I think... Part of me thinks it'd be very, very funny if he was dead. Like, after but all you that haven't, hype. You haven't had the... You haven't watched Daredevil and you haven't had the full... Because, you know what? I'm, I'm one of those guys now. You know how I've always, like... Haven't really cared about like people's reaction to things even with Star Wars to an extent I don't really care what like if people are upset about certain things and I, I never really get like properly upset about things like uh, like Thor I know a lot of people didn't like the direction they took with Ragnarok because they kind of played it all off as a joke after two fairly serious films and I was like yeah but it's a much better film kind of thing 
And yeah, this those, is, those those serious films were not very good. That this, was the problem. This is the first. This is the first time I've kind of gone into something and be like, they've really goofied up this very mature character coming off the back of the Netflix shows. Well, that's what I mean. Like he was like a boss battle, like you say, like or like a cartoon. Yeah, like he was bouncing around the place. But I think um, he, he. I mean, he had a very, very meaty character development in Daredevil, so it, it felt like a, a bit of a slap in the face. But you know what? I'm sure they'll fix it. They'll fix it in the Echo Show or whatever. It will. It will get rectified. It. I wouldn't have made it minus so much if they brought him back one episode sooner, just so that at least they could have had him be the the big boss battle, and then in the following episode, gets knocked down a peg or whatever. I don't know. But yeah, it's. Um... I would have just not. I would have had somebody else, or maybe the guy that Echo fights, be like the leader for that assault, hmm. and then just have the post-credit scene be him like, well, clearly they can't be trusted to do it. Hmm. I'm going to do something now. Fine, I'll do it myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that, we were talking about that last episode. Yeah. But I think that would have been that would have been better because then you're like, oh, now we're going to get at least a few episodes hmm. to build him up. Yeah. For those that don't know him. Yeah. Like you could have still had that scene at the beginning where um. What was it? Kate Bishop's mum goes in and says, "I'm not doing this no more." And he's like, "Oh, that's a shame." I've definitely, yeah. I've definitely softened on the finale in hindsight. At first, I was, I found myself a little bit pissed off, but like, on, I've definitely softened in hindsight because, I guess, what they were trying to do and what they arguably succeeded at was this was the MCU's Christmas special. Yeah, this is like those old Doctor Who episodes where they bring back the Cybermen or whatever, and it's kind of like, it's, it's just a little bit of a silly version of these of these characters and it's very low stakes and it's just will he get back for Christmas kind of thing it's it's an MCU Christmas special with a big musical number at the end and I guess yeah maybe that just like maybe I just had to sort of uh fine tune like fine adjust my settings to to sort of to be prepared for something like that because it is it's a bit of a goofy show I didn't like how they brought back Trick Arrows I thought that I thought he was done yeah, I I liked the idea of like he only had like a few left like post end game and he hasn't got this network to be able to make them anymore. But he just kind of did. Yeah, he was just like, oh, we'll just make some more in my kitchen. Yeah, he's just carrying. Is he just carrying around like pin particles like in his backpack? Yeah, that that's the thing. It raises that's that's the where I think it diverges. I think if it hadn't been like a Christmas show, that's where it'd been like, well, no, it's just us and our grit and our few arrows we've got left. Mm. We got. Like, to the point where I'll expect them to be like, you know how some, like, action shows do it, like, the bullet counting. They're like, ha, he's out, we can go. Yeah, yeah. Like, literal literal arrow counting. Yeah. Like, we've got, like, two left, we need to make him count. Yeah. Whereas, because this was a Christmas special, it was like, we have the LARPers here, we got all these funny trick arrows. Yeah. Our big set piece is going to be a bit silly. Yeah. <laughs> the guy that we thought was a bit of a psycho throughout the entire thing, he just, he's just stabbing <laughs> He's just having a good time. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's smiling like a lunatic while slicing people up kind, with a rodent sword. Kind of enjoyed that, but yeah, no, I know what you mean because I quite liked it in previous episodes. They made a point of like he had to go back and just get his arrows because this isn't yeah. this isn't an Avengers film. This is just like he's got to go back and get those arrows that he fired, kind of thing. But the finale definitely loosened up a little bit. Anyway, overall, these Disney Plus shows were pretty good, but I, I feel. They don't all quite stick the landing. I thought WandaVision was especially weak after a very promising start. Yeah, I think probably the, the strongest end was probably Loki. Yeah. The weakest... I don't think any of the others had a particularly strong landing. So mm. I think Loki... I might even go so far as to say Loki was the only one which stuck the landing. 
Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Um, because both... The only problem with Hawkeye is it's got the exact same setting and very similar stakes to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yes. Just different actors, you know, different different teams being involved in it. Yeah. Yeah, Loki was a big sort of existential kind of... Yeah, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the, the finale of Loki. I think I think Loki was probably the high point for me from Disney Plus this year. And it did the thing which I think a lot of shows are doing a bit more, which is having the, the big action episode being the se- second to last one, mm-hmm. so that you can have a, a whole episode dedicated to the falling action bit of your plot. And you had Richard E. Grant in that pen- penultimate episode as well, and he was fantastic. Yeah. So I think that one... And it just ends on such a good cliffhanger as well. So I think Loki was probably the best Disney Plus I agree. Marvel show. Well, probably the best Disney Plus show this year, right? Yes, because obviously... Book of Boba Fett has just started. We've, at time of recording, there's been one episode out. Have you seen it? Yep. What do you think? It was about what I expected. It was pretty good. It was <laughs> mostly fan service. Yes, I enjoyed it. I actually, I mean, I, I, I went in a little bit cynical, actually, because I, I found... The Mandalorian season two a little bit of a drag at times because it like on on rewatch Mando season two was um, just sort of again mostly fan service and I don't know I thought season one was such a standout show with such a unique tone and then from the ad from the trailer for the Book of Boba Fett I was like this feels like they're just using the sort of leftover sets and stuff from Mando yeah costumes etc but actually I was a little bit more impressed like it wasn't. Ludwig did the uh, titular theme, but I think another composer did like most of the other music, and there's definitely a slightly different feel to the music to Mandalorian. Um, yeah, with sort of the the hacker kind of uh, the chanting and stuff like that, which I thought was uh, was 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 really cool. I did kind of hope after that whole business, I did kind of hope the show was going to turn out to be about uh, Boba Fett running for mayor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but obviously it's going to be a bit more you know he's a crime lord it's not going to be like that Yeah. but I just wanted it to be like one of those party political campaigns of like vote Boba Fett <laughs> for lower taxes <laughs> better schools for our children and clone children <laughs> uh, did you enjoy him in the uh, in the Polynesian spa at the beginning of that episode yes yeah. <laughs> ah the Polynesian spa <laughs> Um, so that's that's one to watch. Uh, I will definitely be watching that. It's it was quite a strong pilot. Uh, there's a few other on this list. Ted Lasso. Uh, yeah, switching over to Apple TV. Let's go next because that's again quite of a small one. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of these. I've got Ted Lasso is brilliant. Ted Lasso is on my list of stuff. I've seen the first season. I really enjoyed it. I haven't watched any of the second season. I don't know why. Was the first season this year? Well, Ted Lasso. Yeah. Second season was this year. Was the first... first season was last year. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, so no, I haven't... I don't think I've watched a single series on Apple TV this year. Uh, I want... uh, I haven't seen the second season of Mythic Quest yet, but I've heard that it's just not quite as good as the first one. I really wanted to watch Foundation, um, and I haven't got around to it, so make of that what you will. I think Apple TV still has a little while to go until it's in the mainstream. It's just another thing to pay for at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's the thing, like when my free trial runs out, I'm not sure I'm gonna keep it because I'm I think I'm just gonna get rid of at least one of my streaming services next year because I just don't have the time to watch them all anyway. And it's probably either gonna be 
not renewing Apple TV or it's going to be getting rid of Amazon Prime. Oh, I'm not paying for Apple TV. As soon as I'd finished my free trial with my personal phone, I got a work phone, which gave me another however many months of free Apple so TV. So if you've still got it, then yeah, I definitely recommend Ted Lasso Season 2. Oh, I, I will. I just haven't. And I don't know why yeah. I haven't. It's just because going on the Apple TV app is just something that's, I think, you know, like in Doctor Who when they have like a perception filter on things. I think Apple TV just has a perception filter on it. And I just, just, I just, my mind just skips over it and it goes straight to Netflix or Disney Plus or something, or any, literally anything else. To be fair, like, I think my default go to, I'm like, I just want to scroll, is Netflix, Netflix or Disney Plus. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, I very rarely go onto Amazon Prime. That's why I'm probably going to get rid of it. Yeah. Like, there is good stuff. I still haven't seen the second season of The Boys. I mean, Amazon Prime is a byproduct of having uh, Prime for delivering stuff. So I, I, I don't think I'll. I'll get rid of that just because. But then I get, I get, I try and order less from Amazon just in general, yeah. like. Oh yeah. Blah blah blah, big company, blah blah blah. Yeah. You've heard it. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, yeah. Amazon. Was there any new shows this year? There was Invincible. We spoke about it on the podcast already. We did. Uh, that was that was quite good. Again, had it ups, had its ups and downs. Kind of the opposite of Disney Plus in that it kind of was, was like a V-shaped show in that it kind of dips a lot in the middle and then and then ends on quite a strong note although i will uh stress that it was not on my list simply because i forgot that i saw it this year so <laughs> clearly it didn't make that much of an impression uh should we move on to netflix yeah uh squid game everyone saw it we don't really need to talk about it yeah but the thing is i'm like squid game was good but if I was really putting a critical eye on it, would I say it was one of the best things I saw this year? Or one of the things I saw because everyone was watching this <laughs> yeah. year? Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, it. I mean, it definitely it definitely had its, uh, like, like uh, sort of strong points. Like, I think the score was really good. I liked, I liked the sort of costume design and everything. Uh, some of the cinematography was good. I liked the characters. I think it is definitely a, a strong show, but... I don't know whether it's worth all the hype that it got, but I mean, yeah, watch it or don't. Season two will probably not be as popular. So, well, yeah, I've, I think um, what was it? They just came out uh, another season of Tiger King, and I was like, oh no, I don't care about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, see, I didn't, even, I didn't even watch it when it came out, and because of that, I yeah, and I, and I knew this second season wasn't going to be quite as 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 popular. So, I, I feel no need to go back and catch up on it really. Uh, third season of Sex Education. Did you watch this? I did. I thought it was. I think Sex Education is a good show still. Yeah, so do I. I think the the only issue I have with it is now the cast is just so big. Yeah. That certain characters had nothing to do, mm. or they had one story that took them through like an entire like what eight episodes. Yes. And it's the kind of story that usually you'd put as like a B plot in one episode. Yeah. I also found other uh, oh, spoilers for most of these, by the way. I did find the May Votis thing, they really, they just, they can't do it, can they? It's like the gym, it's like the gym and Pam in, fr- in uh, the office, they kind of, every time they sort of get them close to kind of each other, because oh, I, th- right. I think Maeve has now been shipped off to America or something, hasn't she? Yeah. Because they're like, well, our entire sort of, the hinge of this show is these two cannot get together kind of thing and now that they have got together they need to be like well we need to separate them again kind of thing yeah it's the the main will they won't they mm. of the show 
And to be honest, I think they'd be stuffed to the show even if they just like settled that f- for a while. Hmm. As long as it wasn't, oh, they're going to date for a season and then break up over something really arbitrary. Yeah. I just wonder how, what they're going to do going forward because like, I know it's the final, the final episode of the last season, of season three ended with, well no, started with like a very classic sex education thing which is like they show someone's um, kind of uh, issues and health issues and sexual health issues and stuff and and then like they tried to go back to the sort of clinic formula didn't they but it's actually it's quite a difficult thing to to do when you've no longer got Maven Otis providing the clinic and you've no longer got Otis's mum doing her own sort of sex education workshop thing as well so I wonder how they're going to go into season 4 and sort of will they keep with that classic formula or are they just going to abandon that formula entirely and I don't know aren't they graduating pretty soon or I was going to say a different show? yeah because like how like I just wonder what the legs are like on this show because like are people still going to go to Otis when he's got like a I don't know, a postgraduate job or whatever. <laughs> Otis, <laughs> how do I masturbate or whatever? Like, like. Well, I think they're they're setting it up so that he'll probably just take over his mum's mantle, won't he? Mm. He'll probably end up being a sex therapist. Mm. Yeah. Um, so they probably will still go to him. Yeah. Otis, I've been coming to you since I was forty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now fifty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm interested to see what they do with that. Uh, also on Netflix, in terms of films, we had on this list. I've got the harder they fall. Was there any others? What Netflix films? Yeah. Let me. Uh, in fact, you know what I can. Not that I want. Well, if we're just talking about ones that I thought were any good, then no. Because <laughs> of this... like we talk, you you saw Red Notice and you didn't recommend it, didn't you? Yes, I did. It was crap. <laughs> that was the worst film I've seen this year. So I'm just going on my continue watching or, or watch it again and just seeing. Seeing what I've actually seen on Netflix this year. Was Auntie Donna this year? No, I didn't. Ah, that was fun. That was definitely worth a watch. Very, very silly, but very, very funny. Um, based on a sort of series of sketch shows. And yeah, <laughs> they, they, the way they integrate it, there's some very funny bits in it. It doesn't, doesn't always land, but like I, I really enjoyed watching that. Enola Holmes, that was last year, right? I think so. Oh, this year there's another... Because Charlie Brooker did Death to 2020 last year, and I think he's done another one this year, so I'll be watching that anytime, anytime now, basically. Yeah. Army of Thieves and Army of the Dead, they were both this year. That's a new franchise, isn't it? What, Army? Army. <laughs> I thought Of the Dead was the franchise. Yeah, but then there's Army of Thieves, which is a spin-off of Army of the Dead. Okay, so, uh, whoa, how do we refer to that franchise then? It's the, it's the Zack Snyder zombie universe, but it was very bizarre, because Army of Thieves was just in, on the TV in the background, there was like, hey, there are zombies in Las Vegas, and it was like, okay, carry on. <laughs> what else have I watched? Queen's Gambit, was that this year or last? Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> I think it might have been early this year. Yeah, you're probably right. Are you are you doing this because you just can't remember what you've seen this year? Yes. Okay. I watched I watched Attack of the Hollywood Clichés, which was a Rob Lowe documentary. That was quite that was quite funny. Oh yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, he's very good as 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 Rob Lowe. <laughs> His intro to that show is just is it's a, it's like an hour documentary. He just pops up and goes hello, and unlike you, I'm Rob Lowe. <laughs> <laughs> he's very good. Yeah, Netflix had a strong year. I think I think that's still definitely the one. As you said, that's that's probably still the default I would go to. Yeah, I think. 
I think the two strongest ones at the moment are Disney, just because they own everything, mm. and Netflix. Mm. I think the others have like good shows on them. Like I say, Ted Lasso is brilliant. Um, obviously, Invincible was pretty good. But if I was only going to have two, it'd be those two. I agree. Uh, in terms of just uh, going on to some stuff that I don't think the final season is up on Netflix yet, but I have seen it. But um, the final season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine hmm. came out this year. Yes. That was really good. Uh, because as it was widely reported, they were planning for the season when the um, the Black Lives Matter stuff kicked off. And they just scrapped their entire season plan and they redid it. Hmm. You Do you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine? I've watched it over uh, my partner's shoulder. Um and I've enjoyed what I've seen of it. But it's interesting because, like, one of the like they've completely redo it, and it like takes place takes place post COVID kind of thing. They're like, we're not going to worry about any of that stuff. Just uh, COVID's over. <laughs> and they do like a storyline about like crooked cops, and like one of the main cast has quit the police in response to Black Lives Matter and is now a private detective. Okay. And they actually try and do a bit more interesting stuff, and I think as well, being a final season, they've got a bit more liberty to maybe piss off certain groups of <laughs> having a bit slightly more out there taste. Yes. But it also has um John C. McGinley as a guest star throughout and he, he plays Doctor Cox in Scrubs. He's done a few other things over the years. But he plays like the police chief commissioner who's basically trying to bust some he's he's trying to essentially he's like very like he's no, he's head of the police union. Mm. So whenever they try and clamp down on the crooked cops, he turns up to defend them, kind of thing. And it's kind of shown that his arguments were a lot of straw man arguments and things like that. It's tackling a lot of the stuff that was like really pervasive, especially in conversations both both sides of the the ocean. To be quite honest, okay. with regards to police police uh, relationships with the police. Yeah. Obviously, it's still a comedy. It's still very funny. It's got a very poignant ending to it. But I thought that was very good. Oh, brilliant! Uh, and then if we're sticking with TV. Uh, the only other things I've got is, different, is is some anime recommendations which I enjoyed this year. So you can get these on Funimation if you want yet another streaming service. <laughs> um, you got Attack on Titan, which did the first part of its final season. Oh, it's the second part is coming out in January, so next month, and that was very very good. A lot of rising action before like a big climax that's coming. It's based off a manga, so I'd obviously I'd, so I've read, I don't know how it all goes, mm. but I'm looking forward to seeing it all animated, because it's got like some of the sequences in Attack on Titan are some of like, the best animated that I've seen, just specific sequences. And uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, which is a new one, and that was pretty good. Again, just very well animated. The story is fine, like, it's very, it's, it's very much based on school for people with weird abilities kind of thing mm. which I think gets done like a million times <laughs> but it was pretty decent um, that was most of my um, the TV shows because I really wanted to reserve this for like what have I really enjoyed this year because I've seen quite a few things and a lot of them I'm like and I think maybe this is a, a side effect of going back through things that we used to nominate for awards and I was like that didn't really deserve a nomination that was just something I'd seen <laughs> So trying to like uh, narrow it down. Uh, in terms of films, the ones that we've not talked about, I've got Dune Part One. Yes, well, this is part of the uh, the triple Chalamet bill, isn't it? We've got Dune, uh, The French Dispatch, and Don't Look Up, all coming around the same last couple of months. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, of which I thought Dune was easily my favourite, um, 
I haven't seen uh, Don't Look Up yet. Uh, my partner said it was fine. That's I can't tell whether Don't Look Up is going to be good or whether it's going to be the kind of thing where the people that already agree with it think it's revolutionary. <laughs> and it actually does nothing to convince any climate sceptics whatsoever. Pre- preaching to the crowd, the movie. Yeah, all it does is uh, widen this kind of perception about Hollywood elites and stuff like that and blah 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 Because you see people that just... Almost, there is kind of almost like a counterculture to if Hollywood's advocating for it. I don't want to, you know. Mm. Sometimes I think these things can do more harm than good, but I'd be interested to actually see it because I've seen like differing opinions. I um I find Adam McKay's films a little bit like sort of all over the shop. Sometimes like I didn't particularly enjoy. I enjoyed Elements of Vice, but yeah, I, I I'm not not in a particular rush to see this one. But uh, but yeah, sure. Uh, and French Dispatch was was. <laughs> Messy, <laughs> but I enjoyed Timothy Chalamet's performance in it, and I enjoyed everyone in that. So it's uh, yeah, that's that's quite a good film. On the but yeah, Dune Dune was amazing. Um, again, I, yeah, really enjoyed it. I wish I wish we had both parts at once. I think when part two comes out, it's going to improve my enjoyment of part one. Um, mm. Yeah, beautifully shot, beautifully scored. Just yeah, top top notch film. Probably one of the best of the year. Uh, going back to TV very quickly, did you see It's a Sin? No, a lot of people talked very good things about it, though. It's very good, yeah. it's um... Yeah, my um, my mum and my brother watched it through, and they, they recommend it to me pretty much every time I'm home. I've just not had a chance to see it. Yeah, so emotional, so well acted, just very good. And, and it's the first... I didn't uh, I didn't really get through much of years and years, the last Russell T Davies um, show, whereas I, I really enjoyed It's a Sin, and gives me a lot of faith for the future of Doctor Who um, for because it just shows that Davies has has, has still got it uh, which is very exciting um, Doctor Who was okay this year or Doctor Who Flux this year yeah it was fine it was fine I think we touched on it a little bit weirdly enough whilst we were discussing Spider-Man last <laughs> week but yeah, it was it was fun. He, he's got he's doubled down on what he did the previous season. Yeah, yeah. We're not. There's no retcon on. Um... No, no retcon, which I was a bit surprised about mm. actually, because a lot sometimes people can just get spooked. Yeah. But he's determined to see this thing through to the end before Russell T probably does another time war and retcons it. It's very interesting because yeah, I mean they had the opportunity, didn't they, to retcon it? Because also we got the word multiverse in Doctor Who. The, yeah. the trendy thing to do at the moment is to just meant just to wave your hands and say multiverse and although not the first time not no because they they talked about we've had you know in what Russell uh, David Tennant's first season we had an entire Twilight reality oh par- parallel universes we've had yeah um, but surely that's exactly the same it's broadly speaking the same but I think Fun- functionally speaking it's the same it is but the word itself multiverse from a story perspective the word itself multiverse yeah. is an excuse to just wave your hands and say this happened here this happened here kind of thing whereas parallel universes felt more like it was a very difficult thing to even get through to one wasn't it so I don't know you well that was the whole thing like it's again Russell T Davies is very good at like the giving the Doctor throwaway dialogue that probably has very big implications but they just don't linger on it because he kind of does like back in the day he was like oh you could hop between parallel universes and be home in time for tea oh yeah he does doesn't he and it's like thinking about it, it's like wait hold on what <laughs> it's all well I, I guess i think the, the word multiverse just kind of sent sparks flying in my mind because it just it's a good way of you can bury plot holes when you say multiverse can't you if something yeah. if something doesn't line up in the timeline or something you can just be like oh well that took place in a different universe kind of thing 
Well, Doctor Who's always been a bit like that because, like, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. Exactly. Yeah. As much as uh, we decry Moffat, that's probably the best phrase that he brought into the Doctor <laughs> Who conversation. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's a time travel show. But yes, Doctor Who was fine. Uh, I'm quite looking forward to the New Year's Day one. Uh, get yeah. Like Groundhog Day type thing with Daleks. So, sure, bring it on. Right, other films. No Time to Die. Yeah, that was good. This is possibly my favourite film of the year. Hmm. Potentially. In terms of... I en- Potentially, I, yeah, I, actually. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, it's it's like... Uh, I mean, we're, we're, st- we're still not quite in that Oscars season yet, especially in the UK where we get stuff... Like a bit later, like like this year, we could actually count all the stuff that got nominated for like last year's Oscars, like uh, Sound of Metal, Nomadland, um, Promising mm. Young Woman, etc. That that's all that came out in the UK this year, um, mostly. So, but uh, in terms of like in terms of like the non-Oscar films that have come out, the big commercial films, I really enjoyed No Time to Die. I thought it was shot really well by Linus Sandgreen. Uh, the score, the Hans Zimmer score, was really good. Um, I like where they took the character. You probably mm. know the ending by now, but if you don't, I think it it's it was quite a refreshing take on what to do with Bond. Um, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was excellent. I thought it was a really really good blockbuster film. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it was a really really good change of pace. Um, yeah, I just quite enjoyed it really. Yeah, just not not really much to say more. I, I think you've you've nailed it. Just a big blockbuster James Bond movie with a good plot and a good ending. <laughs> Still got the soundtrack ringing through in my head as well. I love the bits where yeah. it goes da 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 da. Yeah, I enjoyed those bits. Uh, other, any other films? We didn't pick this up when we were talking about Disney Plus, but I enjoyed Shang Chi a lot. Oh yeah, Shang Chi because of its fight choreography mostly. Because unlike most MCU films, which is a lot of quick cuts, it was quite good at just holding mm. and just letting the choreography, tell, you know, do its thing. Yeah. Because like when I think back, I can still remember like I've only seen it obviously one time, but I, I'm like, oh, there was a fight on the bus. There was the fight um, on the scaffolding with the neon backdrop. There was obviously, you know, I can remember quite a few bits of like the action. The story was kind of standard first Marvel movie. We had I think I think the villain was very, very good. Tony, Tony I think it was a good good version of Tony that. Lung, I think, who played uh yeah, Shang Chi's father, I thought was and slash the Mandarin. I thought that was really excellent, excellent villain. Um yeah, it was it was it was generally a very good film in in a, in a I think Eternals and Black Widow were both a bit towards middling for me. But uh no I very very much enjoyed Shang Chi. And Spider Man which we've we've already spoken to very extensively a couple of episodes ago, but yeah, um, I think we both really liked it. <laughs> yeah, I think as as it's settled, I still prefer Spider Verse. Yeah, but it's still up there. Like I really enjoyed it, and I I think um I think now that yeah the fog has cleared a little bit, like I I think there are I I it doesn't feel like a lazy film. I think like, and I've I've gone back and watched the sort of various pirated clips on YouTube and stuff as well just to sort of remind myself of some of the other elements in that film that I enjoyed like other than the cameos there is some really excellent stuff that they do on practical sets like and the, the especially the fight scenes between Willem Dafoe and and uh, Tom Holland I think yeah. those are wow those are physical those are really 
physical fights and stuff. And I'm gonna I'm gonna try and talk about this film a without spoilers, b without just relying on like the nostalgia elements. I think it's a film that has got genuine effort put into. That's got emotional performances. Tom Holland, I don't think we speak about enough, is is phenomenal in it. He he really carries the weight of this Peter Parker and. I think what saves it from being... I think what will save it in years to come from ageing badly is the fact that when you strip everything else away, it still works as the third movie in his series and it's still his movie through and through. Exactly, yeah. I think they... Yes, no, it still still works as his movie. And um, yeah, even without the nostalgia, let's say, it's still very much... Even without the nostalgia, it still works as Tom Holland's movie. Yeah, and I think that's a very important line to toe, and I think they do it very well. Because it's not like... like, It's not like The Rise of Skywalker, which feels like pure... They bring back classic villains, and they bring back classic characters and stuff, and it's all just with a bit of like a wink and a nudge, and you just don't feel like it's Ray's and Ben's story anymore, because it gets totally lost in, in nostalgia. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, I feel this toes the line brilliantly. Um, and the only other film that I've got written down... That I may have seen other films, I just couldn't remember them when I was putting my list together. Uh, which I thought was pretty good was The Suicide Squad, James Gunn's Oh, one. yeah. It was definitely the best DC movie this year. It was definitely the best Suicide, suicide Squad movie I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. it was the only DC movie, I think, this year, wasn't it? In 2021? I believe so. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty mad to think, isn't it? Like bearing in mind how how dense this year was in Marvel. <laughs> yeah, but then this this year has only been dense Marvel since about midway through the year. Well, no, you had you had the shows as well. But then, I suppose, but then we don't really watch the DC shows, do we? Well, like DC have their shows that are taking along. Like, well, I'm talking about Legends. Of I'm Tomorrow. talking about the DC EU or whatever it is. Well, I'm pretty sure they established in that CW multiverse thing that it's all one un- one multiverse, because Ezra Miller shows up for one scene. <laughs> all right, so now you've got to watch like a billion seasons of <laughs> Arrow. You've got to watch every Flash, season of Arrow. The Legends of Tomorrow, the bloody Supergirl, Supergirl, Bat. No, not Bat. There Bat is Woman. Bat Woman. Uh, Lo- Stargirl, Lois I think it's one now. Stargirl. Probably the Titans. Probably what's his face, the one with Brendan Fraser. That there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean you joke now, but just wait until um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness adds all the X Men movies into the MCU, <laughs> and you have to watch all of. You have to. It will have some key scene that is a reference to X Men Origins Wolverine. <laughs> That's definitely less though. That's definitely less to. That's less homework than trying to every trying to scratch the yeah. surface of the DCEU. Yeah, like hundreds and hundreds of episodes of uh, <laughs> CW shows for one. Yeah. Well, that was the that was that was what was quite lovely about the the Disney Plus Marvel shows. To be honest, is the fact they were sort of uh, eight episodes or whatever maximum, weren't they? So yeah. I enjoyed that a lot. Just I don't want twenty three episodes of a fucking show. Well, it's, uh, when it gets to that kind of le- length, you either don't introduce your main villain until about halfway through the season, in which case you've got to fill the first half of suffering, yeah. or you kind of have the same problem that some video games have, is that it's implied that the villain is there, but he's just sat somewhere twiddling his arms, yeah. being like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> soon my plan will come together. 
Um, speaking of video games, yes, um, let's move on. I've I was trying to rack my brain as to which what games that came out this year I've actually sat down to play. Like I still need to play Shovel Knight uh, Pocket Dungeon because that came out a few weeks ago. Honestly, the games that I've got the most fun out of have been like the party games because I've been seeing people in person again. Oh yeah. So you got your Mario Party Superstars, which is a very good Mario Party game. Yeah. Um, Mario Golf, which obviously we made a video with. Uh, we got DLC for Smash Bros. I enjoyed Mario Golf a lot. That was very fun. Yeah. I think that that, that turned into some very funny videos as well. <laughs> uh, if you haven't seen them, uh, youtube.com slash C slash The Hollow Projectors. Nice. But to be honest, a lot of the other games I played this year weren't games that came out this year. Like, I played a bit more Fall Guys. I've kind of fallen off the Fall Guys wagon a little bit because they now require you to have an Epic account to play. Yeah. Which I don't want to sign up for. <laughs> But aside from that, yeah, a lot of the games I've played have been just stuff with mates, which has meant it's been like older games that we all have. Yeah, I was going to say, I've, yeah, I've, I've, you know I've picked up Ghost of Tsushima this year, and again, that came out in 2020, so I mean, yeah. if you haven't played it, it's really good. And then I was just looking through the other games I've got, and, and I mean, there's Jedi Fallen Order, which came out like almost two years ago now. Mm-hmm. Uh, really? Damn. Yeah. Um, when did Miles Morales come out? That's a good question. I think that was late last year. Yeah. Let's have a look. Miles Morales PS4. Yeah, twenty twenty. Yeah, that was that's that's uh yeah, November. November twenty twenty. So again, even that's uh the, what was this year? Let's have a look. Twenty twenty one games. Uh it, there was stuff that came out, like Metroid Dread came out. Yeah. And that was one that I was thinking about getting, but I wanted to play the other Metroid games first. You had stuff like Skyward Sword H D that came out, mm. but I just was well that's a remake, so I don't think it counts. Everyone said Far Cry 6 was good. Oh, yeah. Well, Far Cry games I've found are all pretty much very similar to each other. Oh, It Takes Two came out this year. That was a very good game. That actually did win. My question to you earlier, It Takes Two won Game of the Year at the Game Awards. Oh, yeah. Uh, Forza Horizon 5, I've heard, is pretty good. Um, my brother's got the Xbox Game Pass, so he's he's played a bit of it. Uh, Halo Infinite came out, but I've never really been one for Halo games. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, yeah. which apparently was pretty decent. Yeah. It's just mostly because I, well, to be honest, in the next few years I need to upgrade my PC so I can start playing a few more of these more modern games. Uh, you had a Pokemon Gen Four remake, which I just didn't bother picking yeah. up because it takes me ages to beat Pokemon games anyway. Still recent memory for me as well, playing uh, Diamond and Pearl. <laughs> yeah, did it make you feel old that that's where they got to in the remake? Yes, very. I li- that's that's probably the the last one I remember picking up. Like, like me and my dad going and 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 buying that from a shop. I I remember that quite vividly. Uh, there was the new Pokemon Snap that was also this year at the beginning of the year. Yeah. That was, you know, that looked like it was you know a fine experience. I just wasn't that fussed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also in terms of fine experiences, but I wasn't that fussed about picking that up. Well, actually, no, I did pick this up. Is Super Mario 3D World? remake for the Switch came out at the beginning of this year. Uh, the only new bit was the Bowser's Fury, which I enjoyed fine. I haven't finished it. I need to go... I really want to finish it. It's like, I enjoy it worse than playing it, but it's... It was maybe... Since I own that game on Wii U, probably wasn't worth me rebuying it for the Switch, just for that. Mm. So yeah, it's been a decent year for games. I'm looking forward to next year, though, but we're going to be talking about next year in our third and final segment of the episode. Should we do it now? Let's do it now. (laughs) 
So just picking up where we left off before the stinger there, uh, let's talk about 2022. So we've always talked about doing like a look ahead, but I always thought in some regards it was an exercise in futility because, you know, you you saw our awards that we gave to stuff we did see. Imagine the awards we'd have given to stuff that we hadn't seen yet. <laughs> but since we're just talking about and stuff we're, we're excited for, stuff we're uh, heavily anticipating, I've got a list of probably some of the big things that are coming out next year and we're just going to go through and just say what's kind of our what what we're most excited and when I said like games looks like it's going to be good next year uh, the kind of things I'm talking about well one you've got the Steam Deck releases early next year so for those portable PC games mm. which would be pretty cool if you thought you'd have one in time for Christmas you thought wrong exactly yeah <laughs> But things we've got coming in 2022 is like uh, the sequel to Breath of the Wild, which we still don't. We've had what two trailers for, and we still don't actually have its title. Gasp of the Outdoors. Yeah, Breath of the Wild. Um, <laughs> smell of the flowers. <laughs> uh, so that is going to be expected quite late 2022. You got Pokemon Legends Arceus. Are you still still keen on the idea of this open world Pokemon uh, game? I mean, I would be if I still have my Switch. But, you know, you're a Pokemon fan. I'm a Pokemon fan. I will definitely look up the gameplay of it and base my review on that. <laughs> <laughs> it was delayed until... It's going to be early next year, I think. But Advance Wars 1 and 2 remakes I'm really keen for. Got Kirby and the Forgotten Land, which actually... I've never been a big Kirby game fan, but it looks pretty good. It looks like Mario Odyssey, and I like Mario Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga yes. might finally release this ne- next year, yeah. this year. Early 2022 is, is the last thing we heard, I think. Two, three years of delays, and we're finally getting it. There's a smattering of other Star Wars stuff, isn't there? Because we've had trailers for, again, Star Wars... Hunters, Hunt- isn't it? That's out, I think. Uh, there's Star Wars. There's the Ubisoft one that they were working on. We haven't had anything to what's that. We've had the Knights of the Republic trailer. Knights of the Old Republic trailer. I don't think Knights of the Old Republic remake is expected until like 23. Oh, is it not? There's been a trailer. That's very interesting, isn't it? Well, it was only like a very short reveal, wasn't it? Yeah. Same with. It wasn't anything significant. Uh, Star Wars colon. We don't let fags play our game or whatever it's called. Eclipse. Um, yeah. We've got, yeah, and Star Wars The, the Complete Skywalker Saga, I'm, which I'm probably most looking forward to at this point because all the other developers can, can go eat shit. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> other things we've got coming out, uh, we've got Two Point Campus, which I'm really psyched for because I want to build a university that's all goofy and stuff. Uh-huh. That sounds fun. Uh, something maybe for you would be Gran Turismo 7. Yes, maybe. Yeah, because it's getting a PS4 release. Is it? Oh, yeah. well then definitely. Starfield, which is Bethesda's long-awaited space RPG. I think it's going to be a modern Bethesda game, which it's going to be very, very long, and it's not. It's going to be fine. <laughs> it's going to be all right. Unfortunately, Fallout seventy-six, I think, has killed a lot of my um, lot of my faith in Bethesda at the center to do anything decent. Uh, they still do good work as a publisher. You know, Doom and Doom Eternal were great games, but um, Starfield, I think, will be fine. <laughs> Uh, did you see the... Well, this was one of the announcements at the Game Awards. But did you see Sonic Frontiers? Oh, yes, I did. Yeah, I saw the trailer. Should be just called Sonic Breath of the Wild. <laughs> because it's just open-world Sonic yeah. game. Except, unlike Link, who just walks along, 
Sonic would just get from one end of the map to the other in like two seconds. Sonic probably. colon Arceus colon Breath of the Wild. Somebody's made like a mashup of like all the different open world game logos <laughs> because they are all kind of going that way. Yeah. Speaking of other games that we may not be as psyched for, uh, Hogwarts Legacy is due out next year. And moving swiftly <laughs> on, uh, the other ones I've got on my list of interest is Horizon Forbidden West, because Horizon Zero Dawn was very good. Uh, Elden Ring, uh, which is from the people who make um, Dark Souls. And Mario and Rabbids Spark of Hope. Yes. Because Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle is actually quite good. It's very, very silly. Keeping the Rabbids IP alive. Yeah, not Rayman, which where the Rabbids came from. But the rabbits without Rayman. Yeah. <laughs> I just wait, and they'll show up in the Mario movie, won't oh, they? Most likely. Yeah. Spin-off. One of the many spin-offs that this is going to spin off to. Well, that that was my that was my segue to movies. Unless you had any more games coming next year, you wanted to highlight? No, Lego Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, the only one that matters. Uh, yeah, there's loads of films. We're getting one based off Sonic. No, that already happened. We're getting the sequel to the one based off Sonic. Sonic 2. Sonic 2. I'm looking. I'm actually looking forward so to it. So am I. Really. It looks fun. It looks. It. I was chatting to my sister about this, and she said it looks like what the first one should have been, but it also made me appreciate why the first one had to happen. I still like the first one. I think the first one's pretty so good. Do I. This one, it seems like it's going all in on its law. Yeah. Which, yeah, let's let's do it. Let's do chaos emeralds <laughs> or whatever. Um. What a. Bizarrely successful franchise we're getting there. Um, mm. Any other? It's going to be more successful than the games. Any other video game based ones? At some point, we've been threatened with a Tomb Raider sequel from uh, Ben Wheatley directing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know whether that's going to happen next year. Well, obviously, Holiday 2022 is the Super Mario movie. I expect we'll get a trailer around E3 in May, yeah. in June. Sorry. We've also got uh, Uncharted coming in February. Oh yeah, there was a new trailer for that quite recently. Tom Holland. Yeah, look, looks yeah. okay. Uh, a lot of people have really softened on the second trailer. I was just looking through the comments. The first one um, was was just quite overwhelmingly negative reaction, I think. But then this one seems people seem to be on board. Although YouTube has hidden the dislike, the dislike count. So God knows whether people are actually going to be on board for it or not. I think it will do all right. Yeah, no. YouTube's strategy of hiding it to the people viewing but still showing all the negativity to the creator is really good. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know what? I think uh, Tom Holland was was a pretty good choice. I think if anything, he's just going to like waver in that popularity because you know Spider Man's just hit a billion. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like he is. He's definitely hot property. Yeah. yeah. Then let's move on to sort of the slightly more anticipated stuff. Did you see... Sorry, interruption. I'm just looking at the list of things I wrote that are coming out pretty soon. Do you see the trailer for Death of the Nile? Death on the Nile. I haven't seen the most recent... I, I saw the original. Have you seen that uh, that clip which is just Gal Gadot's really, really poor like delivery of one of the lines? I don't think so. Uh, it's quite funny if you look at it. <laughs> it's just... Yeah. Bless. Anyway, I'm not going to watch that movie, probably. No. What have we got? Thor, Love and Thunder. Uh, it's just starting with the Marvel stuff. Uh, we've got the Black Panther, Wakanda, Wakanda Forever sequel, which we still have frighteningly little information about. And also there's rumours about Supposed to... recasting yeah. new source, isn't there? So, Well, it's because production's been stalled because I can't remember which actress it the, is, but she's... Letitia Wright 
Yeah, she's not getting her vaccinations, is she? Correct, yeah. And therefore she's not allowed to travel to film the movie, and also Disney are taking quite a hard-line stance on people that won't get vaxxed. Yeah. So it's delayed the whole production, so that's why there's talk of recasting God her. knows what's going to happen there. Um, it'd be very bizarre if they do recast her and um, T'Challa, which, which, I don't know. I mean, the other option is they bring in a T'Challa from, from the multiverse and then just recast it in, in that way without actually it being this universe's T'Challa. Who knows? God knows yeah. what's happening with that. Multiverse of Madness, we've got a trailer for uh, at the end of um, Spider-Man. Uh, so we've got already a bit of concrete information about that. Looking good. We've got Sam Raimi returning for the first film he's directed in, in a little while. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. I think that should be fun. Yeah. All on Thunder with Taika Waititi back at the helm again. Should be good as well. Uh, what else have we got Marvel-wise? Technically, Morbius. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to talk about that. Um <laughs> Across the Spider-Verse, if you want to count that as a multiverse movie within the MCU, <laughs> probably not, but there we go. I'm looking forward yeah, to it. Yeah, oh, it should be amazing. Uh, the first, the first yeah. one is fantastic. Again. first, Well, first trailer for this one looks really yeah. good. Yeah. You were you were here. You were at my I house. was. We were drunk. Then, literally, we'd, we were just got back at like, it was early, early hours of the morning. We just got back from the bar. <laughs> I went... I went, oh shit, and like leaned over and was like, Nick, look, look. The one time I didn't want there to be a Spider-Verse trailer out, and it was just while I was steaming. Anyway. Uh, we watched it like again in the morning, I yeah. think. <laughs> um, doesn't really tell us a whole lot, but it is quite, it's, it's a little while out, I think we got like a full year, but we do know it's a part one, so I'm expecting some yeah. tantalising cliffhangers. Avatar 2 is supposedly coming out in 2022. Cool. Jurassic, Jurassic World I'm really excited for I think I'm like amongst the only ones who are mm. but I think it's going to be good um, I think it's been a bit of a st- a bit of a stealth sleeper trilogy that's kind of done what Star Wars sequels did but better if you're not yeah I mean. well I, I'm going off your, your word for it because I've only seen the um, I've still only seen the first Jurassic World and I thought it was fine yeah. like I've, I, I think it it Kind of was like the equivalent of the Force Awakens. Well, you should watch me. its equivalent of the Last Jedi because it very much is that uh, in the in, oh, okay. in Fallen Fallen Kingdom. So yeah, but again, I think it's it's left it at an interesting point as well. So I'm looking forward to the third one hugely. Uh, cover the the other sort of mainstream ones. We've got the Secrets of Dumbledore, which is <laughs> fine. It looks more fun than the last one, but that's not difficult. Uh, Lightyear, Black Adam. Uncharted, we've always spoken about already. Top Gun Maverick's supposed to be finally happening. Yeah. Uh, another Mission Impossible, another Aquaman, uh, another Millions movie. <laughs> John Wick Million, or whatever they're on now. Uh, I thought you said John Wick Minions. John Wick, for a John Wick meets the Minions, <laughs> which I'm super looking forward to. That, that will be all content <laughs> in about five years' time. <laughs> That's the way that things are going, is it's just going to be executives with no knowledge of why the things in the past worked, just being like, why don't we just take John Wick and take the minions? <laughs> I don't know, they rob a bank or something. <laughs> Bam, movie. Uh, we've got a new biopic based on Elvis, because they haven't ticked off all the uh, legendary musicians just yet. Uh, this one could be good. It's directed by Baz Luhrmann. Uh, starring uh, Austin Butler, who was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
We've got The Northman, which I'm really looking forward to, which is Robert Eggers' new film, since uh, his newest one since The Lighthouse. And I loved The Lighthouse, so very much looking forward to that. Um, and then a couple of other weird ones. We've got uh, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which uh, pairs Pedro Pascal as a Nicolas Cage supervan. Uh, and Nicolas Cage plays an exaggerated version of himself. So that should be very much hmm. a good a good bit of fun. Yeah. I enjoyed Pig this year as well. I forgot to mention that. The last Nicolas Cage movie. Uh, and then probably the biggest one is probably The Batman, which I'm super looking forward to because it, it pairs some of my favourite creative sort of uh, collaborators. You've got uh, Greg Fraser and Michael Giacchino, who last worked together on Rogue One, returning as the cinematographer and composer. Uh, it's directed by Matt Reeves, who's who did the, uh, the the Planet of the Apes uh, most recent two, I think. War and Planet? No. Planet of the Planet of the Apes. That doesn't make sense, with it? What was it called? War and Dawn, wasn't it? Yeah, it's Dawn. No, Rise, Dawn and War. Yeah, but I don't think he did Rise. Okay. Should be really good. There's been another trailer for that quite recently as well, which... Uh, highlights the relationship between um, Catwoman and, and Batman as played by Zoe Kravitz and Robert Pattinson respectively so I'm super looking forward to that one uh, have you got any others on your radar? not for films so should we go to TV? yeah if you've got any well I'd, I'd, my main ones were going to be obviously we've got some Doctor Who specials oh, yeah. uh, coming this oh, year oh we'll find out who the new Doctor uh, is ending with a feature length like 90 minute one which is going to be uh, Jodie Whittaker's last one yeah so I expect I mean based on based on the sort of previous few regenerations we should find out a bit of casting in the next couple of months I should imagine well since they've already shot them we might get you know a a sneak preview of at least the first one at the end of the New Year's Day yeah special because it's it's like three specials isn't it is that including the New Year's Day one I don't know but they're going to be dotted throughout next year those I hope she gets a good send off. She's been a good doctor, playing through a little bit of uh, bad writing. Bad. Yeah, that's it. Just it's just been a bit all over the place. Yeah. You know, the first season was like we're not bringing anything back, and the second season was like we're bringing everything back, and the third season was like we're destroying it all. <laughs> we should probably do a Star Wars subsection of the TV. Okay. Yeah. Because it's going to be a reasonably big year. You've got another season of Bad Batch coming. Oh yeah. Just which will be. We forgot about to, we forgot to talk about that in our twenty twenty one segment. <laughs> well, mostly because I was trying to highlight just the stuff that I thought was really yeah. good, and I thought that was just fine. Yeah, that's true. It was pretty meh. I uh, got Mandalorian season three, most likely. Yeah. Uh, it'll be good to see if the Mandalorian, now that all these other shows are coming out, can get back to its roots of being about the Mandalorian. I really hope so. <laughs> you know, you know what's funny earlier? I was talking about Mandalorian season two earlier to someone, and. Um, it's very much a case of uh, John Favreau's second season issue, because <laughs> Iron Man Two yeah. is a very similar structured uh, film in terms of uh, it, it was designed to just sort of offshoot to other characters and spin-offs and stuff. Yeah, well, he does it quite reliably, well, doesn't yeah, he? Exactly, but it... it's a good thing he didn't make a sequel to Jungle Book. <laughs> <laughs> and then Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, super- which is is that Deborah Chow that's yeah I'm that? super looking forward to that again you know what I am really looking forward to it but I, I've got a little bit of hesitancy just because I don't I just want things to have their own personality and what I loved about Mando season one was that it was this really cool sort of slower paced west, space western 
with this cool soundtrack and like a, a muted color palette and everything. And I was like, this really works for The Mandalorian. And I saw the Book of Boba trailer and I was like, oh no, they're sort of using a lot of very similar technology and, and looks and scores yeah. and stuff. I don't want this to be the same again. I want the Kenobi show to be something a bit different with a, its own unique style because otherwise these are going to get quite lifeless quite quickly. Yeah. They need to keep... Especially the fact that this will also be set on Tatooine. Oh god, yeah. Oh, So god. I'm going to... If we're not careful, we're just going to get a bit sick of seeing just death. Well, do you know what? I, I was sick of it by the, at the end of The Rise of Skywalker when they show them going back to the Lars homestead and Tatooine. I was just like, why should I give a shit about this? We've seen Tatooine. Like, I think they've just shown the episode of The Mandalorian where they go to Tatooine. And I'm like, I don't care about this planet. <sighs> also, why? Why go, like, um, I don't know. Like, we're going to start getting into uh, yeah, no, Rise, of, Rise of Skywalker run if we're not careful. <laughs> Other TV... What Marvel stuff is uh, coming next Quite year? Quite a lot. TV Moon Knight, is... She-Hulk. Uh, I'm definitely missing a few. Secret Invasion next year? Yeah, we've got a still from that. Just assume there's millions more. Yeah. Uh, yep, yep. Okay, so moving outside of Star Wars and Marvel and stuff, what else have we got? Yeah. yeah. Uh, what other stuff are you excited for? I'm very excited for The Last of Us, because I think they've chosen a good studio to produce that with HBO and Sky. Um... And it's a, it's a. I really enjoyed the the story. Um, watching it, watching the video game. So, I think it's going to be a very unique uh, take on it, and I'm very much looking forward to that. It could be, could be the best video game adaptation. Maybe. Uh, we've got we've Maybe. got Inside Man, which this is Stephen Moffat's newest drama, and you know what Phil and I think of Stephen Moffat usually, but this seems like it could be a return to form because it's there's nothing. Fantastic, fantastical about it by the sounds of it. Just t- don't just tell him he's guaranteed not to get another season, even if you think he yeah. might, and then he'll have to wrap it all up. Well, this is just uh, I've got a brief synopsis here from the Guardian: a thriller following a prisoner on death row in the U.S., a vicar in a quiet English town, and a math teacher trapped in a cellar, and they cross paths in the most strange way. We've got Stanley Tucci, Lydia West from It's a Sin, and David Tennant heading up the cast. So. Uh, that's that sounds actually like one to watch. To be fair, um, to, to, yes. there's nothing he can really fuck up in that, but maybe he will. I think you know. Let's not let's not say anything <laughs> too soon, eh? <laughs> um, although speaking of David Tennant, my god, the man works a lot, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, he might be one of the busiest actors because at the moment it's what BBC of, around uh, the world in eighty days. World in eighty days. Very, very yeah. busy. Keeps himself very busy. Kudos. But he's very good. Yeah, so he is. He's, he's Always worth it. a watch. And obviously, um, Moffat and Tennant uh, haven't worked together since the day of the Doctor, so I'm, I'm quite looking forward to that reunion in some ways. Yeah. Uh, and then, aside from the mainstream, we've got Heartstopper, which I've read the uh, comic books of, and, and that's a that's a show I'm really looking forward to going on Netflix. I love, love, love those books, so I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, and then we've got Amazon Prime's Lord of the Rings show set for 2022 as well, late 2022. Um, yeah, that's the final sort of big one of the year. Uh, apparently, this is going to be like the most expensive show of all time. Could be amazing. Might not. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see when it. Or well, maybe I'll hold on to um, Amazon Prime until that comes out. <laughs> Yeah, what else? Yeah, so sorry, sorry, just stuff with games that I forgot about when you were saying about it. Just because I got given like a little 
uh, comic of it for Christmas by my sister. One thing I forgot to say is that Cuphead DLC comes out oh, nice. this year, finally. Yeah. The Delicious Last Course, <laughs> as it's called. And that looks like it's going to be really good. But I've, like, yeah, my sister gave me like a little comic book of Cuphead. Oh, nice. Oh, Christmas, that's wicked. So that's why I thought about Oh, that's, that's coming out it, as well, isn't it, next year? The Netflix show. Yeah. Oh, yes, and the Cuphead TV show will be coming out. In terms of like other TV shows, just the ones that I said I enjoyed before, if they've got another season coming out, obviously I'm looking forward to it from like the last section. Uh, aside from that, just stuff like it, It's Always Sunny become breaks the record to be the longest-running live-action TV show with its 15th really? season. In terms of number of seasons, wow. because there was some show back in like the 40s that had like 400 episodes and ran for 14 seasons right, okay. or yeah, something. Yeah. You know, back when seasons <laughs> used to be like 50 episodes. <laughs> Hang on, wait. I mean, what about, like, EastEnders? <laughs> uh, I think scripted, specifically. EastEnders is scripted. Or comedy. Oh. Hold on, <laughs> let me... Let me find the record that they're breaking with. Um, it's always the most... The longest-running TV show with Danny DeVito in history. So, anyway, I started uh, blasting. <laughs> so, it's... The longest-running live-action comedy series in American TV history, okay. replacing a show called The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet, huh. which ran for 14 years from 1952 to 1966. Wow. How long did Seinfeld go on for? Seinfeld, I believe, was nine? Let's have a look. I love listening to your keyboard. Can you just give us a little... Nice. Mechanical keyboard, baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Seinfeld was nine seasons. Ah. Obviously, I think Big Bang ended up wrapping up at like 12. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, animated shows have all gone like longer. Yeah. Like, Simpsons is on like 34 or yeah. something. It's it's disgusting <laughs> in a certain regard. Oh, cool. Oh, well, that's that's impressive. Yeah, there's a lot to look forward to, I think, next year. There's a lot of reasons to be optimistic. And cynical. So that's going to about do us for another episode of the Cynical Optimist podcast. If you enjoyed, leave us a review on your podcast provider of choice, because it helps us sharpen metrics and things. Uh, If you enjoyed and you want to hear more of our opinions and things, you can follow us on Twitter at Hollow Projectors. You can follow me on Twitter at Hollow Phil. You can follow us on Instagram at Hollow Projectors. You can follow us on Twitch at Hollow Projectors. You can follow us, you can subscribe to us on YouTube at The Hollow Projectors or youtube.com slash C slash The Hollow Projectors. From there, you can navigate to our Let's Play page, The Hollow Projectors Arcade, mm. where we have the final three episodes of A Way Out coming out in January. Finally. Um, finally, finally, we found a way out. <laughs> We've got the Hollow Projectors full streams, which is another channel you can find linked to there, which is just a stream archive. You've got we've got Beggars Canon, which will which will finally premiere in 2022. I'm calling it now. Okay. <laughs> I say, looking at the showrunner <laughs> over Skype. Not 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 that any of this is in my yeah. power. Yeah, we've got a lot of stuff. Oh, we've also... This is not uh, Hollow Projectors, but I also have a channel called uh, A Bridge Big Knickers, which I run with my sister Vicky. We've got a show called Big Nostalgia, 
which is in the middle of its season three pre-production at the moment. Ooh. So that will be coming next Ooh. year. This year, even. 2022. This goes up on Monday. It's 2022. <laughs> yeah, is there anything that I'm missing? Anything you want to promote? Probably a couple of new variants of COVID coming out in 2022. Looking forward to those. Oh, yeah. I'm ex- excited yeah. for those. We're going to get, what? Psy, Pi, Ro. <laughs> a couple of spin-off variants. I've, yeah, I've part, part of the uh, the COVID multiverse. It's it's become a franchise affair yeah. now. Yeah, Delta Plus. Yeah. You're, you're gonna get like a, you're gonna get the return of Alpha, <laughs> and everyone's gonna be super nostalgic for it. Like, oh my god, remember that first COVID variant? Yeah, that's exciting. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we don't know what's going to happen. By the time we're talking about this, because it's going to be Monday of the new year, you know, we could be in UK, England lockdown again. I say England lockdown because there's already restrictions in the other devolved administrations. Yeah, exactly. But I hope, well, I hope everyone had a good New Year's, despite the fact that our Prime Minister said we could go out, have a New Year's party, bearing in mind there are no tests available at time of speaking. <laughs> And then lockdown yeah. in January for, for some reason, <laughs> when no one's doing anything anyway. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say January, everyone stays inside yeah. regardless. So, But yeah, everyone, take take care of yourselves. Do, don't do anything that you don't feel comfortable doing. Um, once they become available, try and get some lateral flow mm-hmm. tests. And just, yeah, stay safe. Yes. Get your booster if you haven't yes, already. Yes, do that. And we will see you. Our next episode is on the 24th of Jan, so three weeks. And we'll see you then. We've got... We'll probably... Uh, we will probably... Well, we can, this this stuff can change. But I imagine we'll be talking about the Book of Boba Fett and maybe The Witcher Season 2. We might, yeah. <laughs> but who knows? Follow us on Twitter for more up-to-date stuff. Yes. Until then, I've been... And filmed. I've been... Nick 2022 woo yeah 2022 edition yeah uh, and have a great new year have a great year well obviously we'll speak to you again this year uh, <laughs> and we'll te- speak to you next episode bye happy new year Oh, well, you have to say this one, so you have to remember that one. So, I say, this week on the Cynical Optimists... Our awards are product of yesterday. Fuck. Yesterday. Yesterday. Hello. Hello, welcome to Synopt Optimists. (laughs) I'm your host. (laughs) I went down to pictures yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) He was handing out one of those awards, wasn't he? Yeah, he said, I got one of those fancy Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um... <laughs>